Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. Whatever that probe is picking up, it's reading life form. What do you mean a life form? Oh, the head. They're changing. Changing into what? It's moving. These things moving. What is that? There's a ship. They're leaving. To go where? Earth. We were so wrong. Take us home! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Thank you for joining us um, on this video episode, which we're sort of christening as our first episode into our new series, Open Her Eyes, The Journey to Prometheus. And we felt like it was a good time to be physically present as much as we could be via video, a video episode. There's a lot going on in the world. Me and Patrick just wanted to get up to speed with each other, with you guys, just to be seen, to see you guys, and um, to share what's going on in our lives and talk about this new series that we're doing um, in the chaos that is this world right now. It's so. funny when, uh, you know, many of us listening to the show and creating the show are under various forms of lockdown right now because of the COVID-19 situation. Um, and I think we're all processing this differently. But um, in a lot of ways, we're, we're having some really universal experiences now. And I think one of those universal experiences is some degree of fear, you know, about what tomorrow will bring, about how quickly things are changing. And um, and I, I know a, a universal feeling that I think uh, I'm noticing is uh, is this apprehension of like, it's it's hard not to see each other, not to talk to each other, not to like give each other a hug or a handshake or something. It's, it's, it's very strange, you know? Um, and video and, and live conferencing and things are, it's one of the few ways we can still kind of connect, you know, in a, something close to a physical sense. And it's, and it's nice. We wanted this to be a live episode tonight. We tried a number of different solutions for it. Unfortunately, we couldn't get them to work. So we're going to try to kind of approximate that live feel by having a really kind of spontaneous episode. Uh, this will be, we're recording this right before we release it basically. So we're going to do very minimal editing on it. We're going to keep things, whatever happens, happens. The idea is uh, we feel like you guys are all here with us on this call. Um, even if we couldn't get this live stream to work this particular time, I know I, I feel very much like you guys are right here with us. Um, and, uh, and and Jamie's nodding his head. He, he does too. This is Definitely. something that absolutely I think we've all been kind of like really hungering for. So we're going to try, you know, right after this, this really started to, to change rapidly just, you know, a week ago, basically, at least in the United States and, and in Europe, the last couple of, you know, two or three weeks, um, Jamie was very quick to be like, you know, we got to like reach out, we got to get content to people. We got to kind of like, you know, get out there. 
And I, I honestly like didn't feel ready for it yet. I felt kind of overwhelmed a little bit, you know, with the kids and with trying to stay afloat with work and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I feel like I'm at a point now where I really want to re-engage and I want to take advantage of this time that we have to, to reconnect and to, and to work on things. And so, so thank you, Jamie, for kind of getting me out of my doldrums of <laughs> wondering what the hell is going to happen tomorrow. And, um, thank you to all of you listening. Yeah. You know, I really echo your sentiments. I've been feeling that as well, um, in terms of not knowing what tomorrow and in some ways it's, is there going to be a tomorrow? I think. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit overly dramatic, but we've never experienced anything like this in our lives. This is historically, I don't think we, I mean, there's been outbreaks of things over the years. Certainly the bird flu, I think was of 1918 or 1917, which killed a hundred million people worldwide, which was pretty intense. Um, yeah, that was the, the Spanish flu, the, the H1N1. Spanish flu. Yeah. Okay. Um, but really this is, we've only seen this in movies. We have only seen this in movies. You know, when a few weeks ago I watched Contagion because, you know, I'd seen what was going on in Wuhan, China and okay, this is interesting. And I was watching it. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's very interesting. Look what's happening in this movie. Oh yeah. Very interesting. And here it is happening in our lives beat for beat. And not only that, like step one step after the other, it's lockdown and then close this and then close that. And I work um, with the developmentally disabled, so I'm out in community every day. Um, so myself, I'm at risk every day. And I don't have masks. I don't wear masks. They don't haven't. They haven't provided me with anything. Um, my job hasn't provided me with anything. Um, there's not even any. Like I, I go into the community. I go into people's homes. Um, so I'm even though I'm fine, I'm every day doubling my risk of exposure every day. Um, and because there's little testing, um, we don't know who has it or who doesn't. Um, so it's at the same time, these people that we work with need me. They need me because they can't buy groceries without me. So it's this double-edged sword, like I'm needed, but I'm also the most at risk. Um, so it's it's been very stressful for me. I mean, just, I mean, all of my family, we're all living together right now, which is my brother, I mean, my sister, her four boys and my parents were all in this great big huge house right now together which is really where I it's the best place that I want to be in terms of having all of my family around me um I feel like it just that we can get through this together it it it, it feels good you know it feels good to have that solidarity and that support um otherwise it's you just don't know how to feel I mean I feel nervous and anxious and, and I'm feeling a little bit better a little bit calmer and I think maybe just because the government is sort of acting the way they should act and we're seeing a little bit better response and all of those things. But still like, I mean, everything we know is, is shut down indefinitely theaters, you know, sports, um, bars, restaurants, you name it, they're all shutting down. And so we're living this existence where we're trapped in our homes. And I still like, I'm looking at you now, Patrick thinking, how are, how is this real? Like, I know this is like hunger games, divergent shit yes it's so we were we were in canada last week as as you know like all this was really kind of unraveling it's like you know we left i remember distinctly we left for this trip you know on last sunday and we left knowing that this coronavirus was was a thing we left knowing that you know we should just kind of you know keep our guard up a little bit but that it was okay it was it was a virus that was kind of sort of far off it wasn't something to worry about and then as we were there last week like every day these escalating things were coming up and we were like, we have, we have to get the hell out of this country. We have to get back home because like, we don't know what's going to happen with the border. 
Um, and that that feeling alone was was crazy, but also because my kids were here. They were with my parents that whole time. And I was genuinely a little bit afraid that it was going to be hard to get back to see them. And so, like, I was on the phone with you during this. You know, we're trying to, like, make sure we can get over the border. We're on the phone with the, the border crossing people, and they're, they're giving us very weird answers about things. And we're like, we're going to fucking leave. So we, like, just ditched the Airbnb. We just paid the rest of it off and got on the road. And we're like driving, you know, like into the night and, and we cross over into the United States because we were pretty far up in Canada. And um, and it's like all of these flash. I just I'm so I, it's so vivid. These flashing highway signs every, you know, two miles saying for information on the COVID-19 situation, go to, you know, the state websites. And we went through Vermont, went through New Hampshire, went, went into Massachusetts. And uh, and I just was like, what the hell's going on? And then we got to, to our house, you know, near Boston. And my parents were like, don't let the kids go into uh, stores with you. Like it's things have changed. And I was thinking like, what, what could they possibly mean? And then the first time I went into a grocery store, I was so shocked by what had happened in the span of like four days, how these like incredibly banal environments that you just, you know, get so accustomed to, you don't even think about were transformed into these sort of ghost worlds. You know, these, these completely people wearing masks and gloves and with all these goods sold out. Um, and it's just, and it's just crazy. And then of course, in the midst of this, we're getting all these announcements from the kids' schools, you know, that they're going to be home and then they keep extending this deadline. And so now all of us are in this one condo together. You know, my wife is finishing her nursing program here. Uh, I'm trying to work my full-time job remotely. And both of the kids are home from school indefinitely, basically at this point into some, some point in April, who knows when. So we're trying to also kind of homeschool them a little bit in the meantime, so they don't fall behind on stuff. And in and, some uh, states, we can't, like, schools being anywhere. called out. In some states, schools being called out for the rest of the year. Like, yeah. and it was just the mayor of Los Angeles was asked by a reporter, "Will schools come back into session?" And I, I think the mayor was like, "I don't, I can't answer that question for you right now." So yeah, that's the situation. It's not, and it's like that over here too. And and, and the, the the deadline, you know, at first it was March twenty seventh, and then it's April sixth, and then now we got another one that says we're not sure when this is going to open again. And I'm thinking, like, man, this this return to normalcy or what we thought was normalcy is so far, so much farther off than I think we realize. So I, I guess, you know, getting kind of in the direction of the episode, something that I've noticed in my life that I've struggled with a lot as an artist, you know, musically is that I find a lot of the time that I start to get kind of embarrassed about the things that I have cared about a lot about, like things that I want to express that don't have anything to do with this catastrophe that's unfolding, you know, like I, like when there have been huge political upheavals or huge, you know, uh, issues with global hunger and, and things like that in the past, you know, I go through this, this phase where I'm like, why, why, why am I even bothering writing music? Like I'm just this, this white boy in the United States. Who's like, you know, has the tremendous luxury of being able to get a master's degree and write concert music for people. Like it's, it's so fucking bougie, you know? Um, like what's the point? And then I realized like, okay, this, that's, I'm getting, I'm getting hung up on the trappings of like, feeling like I have imposter syndrome. I'm more than just that. There are things that I want to say that are still valid and that like when people are, are like in a place to listen again, like it's important that some of the things that I want to express are there for them in case it might reach them in a certain way. And so part of my journey with this podcasting, because you and I both do so many different shows, you know, in addition, of course, to, to the two shows that most of you probably know us from, um, you know, Jamie has been affiliated with the Dark Podcast in varying capacities for quite a long time. Yeah, uh, I, I was about to leave, but I'm actually staying. Called... <laughs> oh, really? Right, yeah. that's why I didn't want to say. I, I was convinced. I was convinced to stay, so I'm staying. Okay, well, so you're st still co-hosting the Dark Crystal Podcast. I also co-host yeah. um, Swinging It, which is a parenting podcast, which you should. 
Um, and we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, like, what do we have to say that's valid? Like, what do we have to say that matters in the context of this enormous upheaval? And the reality is, is that, like, everything still matters. We're still people. We still have complex lives. We're still thinking about other things. You know, when we go to sleep at night, we're not only thinking about the coronavirus. We're not only thinking about what tomorrow holds. There's a part of us that's still thinking about Ripley up there. There's a part of us that's still, you know, remembering these scenes from these films that we love. There's a part of us. I mean, I've watched more movies in this last week, this last week and a half than I have in the month before that. I mean, every night we're watching multiple movies now because we're at home, you know. So um, th this is all just a way to say that, like, we are going through this the same way you guys are and that we're here with you and that we're all in this moment together and that um, we're really hoping to be able to capitalize on our feelings and on our anxieties a little bit to be able to produce some really great content and to be able to help you guys have more to listen to if you're, you know, like I am basically under house arrest for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, and uh, so I, stay I mean, tuned. We've got some more stuff coming. We do. And I, you know, I'm still going to work every day. I, I start usually around nine and I get off at around four forty-five or five. And that's thankfully I work in the social services industry and it's necessity. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last just because how at risk I am every day, um, which then puts my clients at risk. But what I do feel, um, and I expressed this to you, Patrick, but I, I feel during this time we've been presented with a gift and that gift is each other. And that gift is meeting us where we're at, checking in. How are you doing? I know I've been trying to do that with everybody, like exes of mine, everybody. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? What's your day like? Checking in um, and really making a point to connect with the human spirit within us all. And I think fandom has really um, been a, a vehicle to promote that. And I know my perfect organism family and I don't have to name when, you know, a lot of people who watch, who are watching now and who have listened, they know who they are. Um, but I'm concerned about how Clara is doing in, in Melbourne. I'm concerned about how, how Michael is doing in Pennsylvania. I'm concerned about even some of our fans who live in, Atlanta or in Canada are doing and um, but this is also a time to talk about what we love and find that thing that thing that has always been so precious and wonderful for us is going to be even more so at this point it's going to be like Ripley and who she is to me is going to even be more important to me because of what we're going through um, and I know as everyone knows this coronavirus is very survivable but it's not so much the issue of the virus being survivable. It's the life we live in coming to a complete stop, complete stop as if everything's been bombed, but it's still sitting there. Um, so I really felt like it was important that we make our faces known that we show our faces and that we, um, just express solidarity with everybody and with each other that we're here. We're here for you guys. And I want to like, I want to, do as much of this as possible. Talking about Alien, talking about uh, Prometheus, we're about to you know, start talking about that and launching that series. It's really important to me. I think Alien Day this year is going to be special. We'll see what it's like. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very pared down, of course. Um, not even coronavirus notwithstanding. It's going to be pared down because <laughs> the it's... The studio. <laughs> by the way, there's a flashing light behind me. I don't... It's my... I have this light from a train, a train stop. And I don't know why, but it flashes, so it's a little creepy. But that's what's going on. At any rate, yeah, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little coronavirus appropriate. It feels a little <laughs> bit like there's a pandemic. Or very alien. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but at any rate, thank you guys for watching and listening. We're going to start, we're going to get into Prometheus right now. And uh, really this is the, the first episode in our series, open her eyes, the journey to Prometheus. Uh, and this is part one. And really we wanted to start this out discussing where we were in context of fandom before we did, Prometheus. but Jamie, hang on, hang on, hang on. I said I had something for you. Do you remember oh, this? Oh, no, I About didn't. About an hour and a half ago when we were trying to get the live stream going. Oh, that's right. That's Listen, right. this is going to, those of you who are only listening to this, first off, uh, consider, you know, getting alerts for when we go and do Facebook videos because we want you to be able to see it there because you're going to get to open your own Alien 3 oh, trading card collectible art card pack tonight, Jamie. Nice. And everybody at home. So listen, I'm going to, I'm going to open this for you here quickly. This is going to make for great audio. I'm going to let you, Where'd you know you get what that? you see. So these were on eBay. And this I have. so this was inspired by a post that somebody had in Building Better Worlds, uh, you know, a few months ago. And I was like, holy shit, those things are so cool. And I went on eBay. And sure enough, there's like they were like $6. They're so cheap. So I got That's multiple awesome. boxes. Oh. And we've been having a ton of fun. Multiple okay, so boxes? You got, How many packages do you have? I got a big oh old God. package. I got oh. a lot of packages. <laughs> okay, so we got... Awesome. Some very nice set photos here. Awesome. We have the beast itself. Raise it up a little higher. Oh, you can't see it. We have uh And back it up a little bit. Back up, back that ass up. Okay. <laughs> back up back up that package. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I feel like he's an underutilized character, although in the assembly cut, of course, he's somewhat more utilized. We have this. I love this. This is an alternate angle from that famous that famous sequence where Ripley's Yes, approached. I love that too. That's right. what I've been seeing photos of, and I'm like, where are these photos coming from? I know, from? I know. Uh, this we. Uh, yeah, I think. Did you just post this to the page? This. These are the uh, the commandos. I did not. That or was, Inga did. Inga, Inga just Inga. put the the, the Wayland commandos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, oh no! Oh, congratulations, Jamie. You got a, a very rare card that I've never seen before. Which is the foam rubber castings from the film. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's very cool behind the scenes. Oh my god. The we, got, <gasps> we got Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Mindhunter. Terrific show. Yeah. Awesome show. Morse, another great Morse. great character. And I you also, Jamie. These. Congratulations. You got a Dark Horse art card. This means that this Whoa. is a particularly important those those are not in every single one of them. So um for those of you who had to suffer through the last 45 seconds of me just <laughs> saying one-liners about edit cards, seriously, go pick up these things on eBay. They're incredible. They're by Starlog, and they're they're like almost criminally inexpensive, and you will get hundreds and hundreds of cards to flip through, and they're great. A lot now of them my have behind-the-scenes set photos. Yeah. My question is, were those released in 92, or they just yeah. made... Really? No, they're 92. Yeah, they're, they're just pristine. And they're still in these sealed, shrink-wrapped boxes that, you know, they're display boxes that are made for comic stores. Just so like your usually, mama... She's still in shrink wrap. <laughs> she's shrink. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Put the lotion on the skin. Killer? <laughs> um, that's terrifying. But uh, yeah, but they're 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 really cool, and and they're especially like treat yourself during this time period. Seriously, like I, I know, like we've been doing a lot of things where if there's things on on Amazon that we haven't gotten in the past or something like a Lego set, we're like fuck it, you know, we're stuck home. We might yeah, as well if do you it. have it, and businesses, not that Amazon needs our money, but yeah. Keep shopping local, ordering local. They're delivering a lot of them for free. Keep doing it. It helps the economy. Them. It helps these people survive. We're in if, uncharted if, territory if, right now. What's if up? you can't, if you don't want to go eat, because uh, I, I mean, at least in my state, you're not allowed to eat in a restaurant anymore. Buy gift certificates. 
because you know you're gonna go back so like pick your favorite restaurant get a couple you know gift certificates for like parties and that'll give you something to look forward to right once this lets up and also it'll help them kind of like you know stay somewhat afloat during this mm-hmm. incredible crazy time period okay going back to the episode let's kick off open her eyes the journey to prometheus with our first topic which is uh what was our headspace in the lead up to the release of the film correct correct you want me to start yeah so uh so going back to 2012 which feels even farther ago than it did when we decided we were doing a prometheus i feel like now 2012 seems like a different you know lifetime um i was last week feels like a different lifetime isn't it crazy i know uh but back in 2012 so I, i was just in such a different place in so many different ways it was uh you know the year i got married i was just getting out of grad school i was in a totally different place in my life didn't have any kids um, I was the most disconnected from alien fandom I had ever been because I feel like in, in sort of dedicating myself to schoolwork, uh, and sort of trying to find out who I was as an adult, my childhood obsession with alien had kind of taken a back seat. The other thing, which I'd mentioned to you previously about this was that when I was a kid growing up, I had a, what, what is now my alien room, which is a whole room in our house with alien shit. Um, at that point it was a wall in my bedroom. I had a, a number of shelves and I had all of the eBay collectibles that I gotten through the years, all of the, like I had like, you know, screen used prop pieces and things like that. Like these amazing little things. Um, and that, that had been what all of my allowance and my singing money had been spent on growing up. It was all, it went all towards alien collectibles. Um, and most of that had been boxed up and kind of like lost in the, you know, moving to college, you know, my parents downsizing some stuff. So, so I kind of, I lost a lot of the kind of the physical, uh, connections to alien. And in the midst of that, I also had kind of become an adult and I hadn't like found where alien fit into my adult life yet. I wasn't participating on forums the way that I had been previously. I wasn't as active online. Facebook groups weren't really a thing yet. So I didn't really have that community. Um, and my high school friends, you know, who, whom I had, you know, stayed up watching sci-fi movies with all the time, you know, we'd kind of all splintered all over the, the world really at that point. So I felt a little bit disconnected. And when I found out that this film was coming out, which of course initially was was marketed as being somewhat farther from Alien or further from Alien than it actually ended up being, um, I was mystified. I was uh, intrigued, but I wasn't like over the top excited the way that I was for the release of Covenant. Because by that point, I was like all the way back in the saddle of being, you know, the Alien fan that I had been previously too. But I, I, I was, I felt disconnected i would say um when i heard that prometheus was happening and i wasn't i think because i was disconnected i wasn't that apprehensive i was sort of like okay we'll see where this goes i wasn't i would i didn't have that kind of that that fanboy nervousness that i've had that i had before and and after but how about you where where were you at that point well um i think like so many other people i uh, fox at that point had shot the bed in terms of resurrection and the avp films um and Again, like many of you, uh, and you specifically, Patrick, I was like, I don't... I, they had announced it, but initially when they announced it, if you remember, Ridley Scott was not attached. They announced an alien film, and his son-in-law was going to direct it. He didn't want to direct it orig- initially. They had to coax him into doing it. Uh, so I was certainly excited about an alien film, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you guys have, like... Even though, as you know, and you you and I both love Alien 3 and we think it's a masterpiece, it's still wrapped up in this this 
you know, this um, womb of disappointment that the Alien franchise has been. And Alien 3 is a part of that. It doesn't matter if I love it or not. It's still one of those things where people are like, oh, it just let me down. And it was the beginning of constantly being let down film after film after film. And of course, Alien Resurrection notoriously killing the franchise, killing it dead, just killing it off. Um, So I was apprehensive, but at the same time, I knew Ridley Scott was intimately involved and I was excited. I was really, really excited. And finally it was something to talk about. And then um, starting to read and then what, what, what started happening was, you know, is they started, leaking photos people started taking images of the photos and you would see um landing gear that looked just like the nostromo with the stripes and i was just like holy shit this movie's gonna be amazing that was when i got more excited yeah oh like yeah I, when when the entertainment weekly reveals started coming from it and i started seeing mm-hmm. glimpses of engineers and things i was like whoa what is yeah. this okay yeah this is yeah, yeah this is, this is interesting yeah Absolutely. the news didn't really sit with me that much but when when I saw how beautiful it was becoming, and when I saw that it was like a, it was it was very artistic, that mm-hmm. it had a real aesthetic vision behind it, which the film itself does, regardless of any misgivings we have about it from a content standpoint, it is a beautiful movie, and you and I agree on that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And you saw in those early little set photo reveals that um, that that was going to be a part of it, and that was that was really intriguing to me. Yes, very much so. And the more imagery I saw, and I think the first image, official image, to release was of Shaw being lost in the um like she was being blown out into the 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 storm with all of the whatever's flying so you see shaw and she's sort of shaw is mid like she's mid flying into the storm and that's the first official image that we saw from the film and it was like oh weird but everything else we started seeing official looked like alien to me. It looked rich and well put together and beautiful. Um, so I was really, and then of course you find out really Scott's directing it and you're like, Oh, of course this is going to be amazing. It's going to be a masterpiece. You knew it. You know, the father of science fiction, the new father of science fiction has returned to the genre. He's defined. It's going to be fucking amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I was, and I was very active on the, um, AVP Galaxy forums. Uh, this Bethesda C is my handle there. Patrick was there too, although I did, we didn't know each other. We interacted, but I mean, really, the AVP Galaxy forums were the place to go to talk about Alien. Um, they're not as active anymore. Everything is essentially social media. They are active, but not like they used they, to. They are no, they're still. I, I still participate in that. Yeah, I alien, if anybody's looking for me, it, it, it's 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 still it's still a it's still going. Um, but but even you know, AVP Galaxy has a Facebook group that's very well you know attended too. So absolutely, there's, yeah, it, it's it's interesting how social media has changed. There was a time in like 2012, that era, like or actually, I, I for me it was before that. It was really like 2007, 2006 to 2009 where forums were like, that was like the shit. That was like all that I did online with between like the, like the alien stuff, like aquarium keeping. I had a lot of fish, like the, like the fucking, the fan forums were so, you, yeah. I, I grew oh, up yeah. with, oh. me too. Tons of fish. Really? We never talked yeah. about this? No, we oh haven't. Oh my God, bitch. I grew oh. up with like 10 gallon, 20, 50 gallon tanks, angel, angel did you have tropical? Uh, yeah. So, so I had some tropical fish, but I specialized in African primitive fish. Like cichlids. Um, uh, I had I had a cichlid tank. Yeah, I, I used okay. to breed a number of different cichlid species as well. Me too. But funny. Did you, what the funny. Fuck? We not yeah, about I don't know. Before. I don't know. Ladies but, and but I, I wasn't. Are you talking gentlemen. about like riff like cichlids? You're talking about like like high pH stuff? Are you talking about oh. like you're talking about like a jaguar cichlid or a convict cichlid? That kind no, of thing? no. Well, yes, some convicts. Ooh, nice drop there. Yes, some convict cichlids, but 
there's Yo, many different violent, aren't they? They can be, and they can. Jamie, I mean, that's how what, have we not talked about this? Yet? I know, this is fucking blowing my mind. I know, this that's crazy. crazy. And okay, I mean, this is, my this tank is going to get derailed. But my tank of cichlids, podcast. My tank of cichlids were well. You could only, you couldn't even barely. You you know you couldn't even combine species. You either had to devote it to the one kind. Oh my god, the forget the name. They were sort of like rainbow, and they had like dots that looked iridescent on them. What German, were they called? Yeah. Was German ram or a blue ram? Ramoresses? Oh, might be. Might be, might be that. Jewel, I think that they were jewel, but yeah. they got a little bit big and they were beautiful, but they were deadly. Or they're you know, mean. When I was younger, I got the garamis, and you know, garamis like, yeah. oh, those are pretty. But the garamis would like eat the fins off of the angelfish that were like, what are you doing? I'm just <laughs> yeah, here to, like, I'm just here to eat. So like, <laughs> I'm a beautiful butterfly. Um, Anyways. What the fuck are you talking about? Anyway, just really briefly. I, so my specialty up until my tank, my last 75-gallon tank died because of a, a bacterial infection recently, <gasps> about a year ago, was uh, African primitive fish, like like lunged fish, like uh, like like polypterids specifically, Whoa. which we can talk about at another time. I have a very long history with that. They're fucking great. Anyway, we will talk about this more. Um, <laughs> so, so like aquarium keeping, you know, alien stuff, I was always on these forums. And this was also before I really got into Reddit. So for me, that was like my outlet. Something else that I, I wanted to mention um, about my headspace and why I was disconnected, it wasn't just because I was kind of growing up and kind of moving out and figuring out who I was. It was also because of the AVP films. And I think that's something that's it's easy to forget about. But but starting with the 2004 movie, like that, I, I like it now as people who listen to Shit Show. I, I actually kind of like the first AVP film now, but I did not like it when it came out. I really did not like it for a long time. It really had to, had to kind of grow on me. So like we had that... And then we had Requiem, which to this day is still the thing that I hate more than any other movie that has ever been released because it was like – because I, I found it just not only just atrociously bad but like genuinely offensive to the lineage yes. of these franchises, yeah, right? It, I, it is. I, it is absolutely I, offensive. It is an and, offensive film. And I was so angry about – I was just so angry about that movie and yeah. I felt like – and so I had kind of distanced myself a little bit from Alien and I had and I had cocooned myself in those first three movies, which – you know, will will always be my favorite three films. Like, and, and and that's something that will never change. Even though the order of them changes a little bit, they're my three favorite movies. Um, and so like, so so I, you know, during that time period, although I was kind of disconnected from fandom, I was watching those movies all the time, and I was living in that in my imagination a lot, reading the comics, etc. But I had really kind of retreated to like they kind of went back into that special place in my heart where they were when I was a child. So so Prometheus to me was totally like what the, what what the fuck is this thing? I'm, I have no I have no context for it. You know, like the the thing we got before that was AVP Requiem, and then you know five years later we get Prometheus, and it's like these two completely disparate visions that are both kind of a little bit messed up, but but in different ways interesting. Uh, Requiem interesting only that it shows me how angry I can get about something. But the Prometheus definition of shit show. Yeah, it defines shit show. But Prometheus, interesting in actual in actual real ways, aesthetic ways, uh, philosophical ways, ways of seeing what Ridley Scott, who basically set the template for contemporary science fiction and then left it for almost four decades, well, for three decades, uh, and then came back to it to see what he could do with it, which was really extraordinary. Um, in some ways, the movie really fell flat for me, and we'll talk about that, you know, I'm sure in a bit. But um, that feeling of when those leaks started to happen and when those, those photos were published and when we started, we saw the first teaser trailer, which I still think is really, really great. Oh, and I was, was like, amazing. Oh my, this is a real move. This is a movie. This is like yep. a capital M movie. This yep. is something that, so, you know, 
I went to it, you know, of course, at opening with uh, my wife, who I don't think we were married at that point. Or we had, no, we had been married for a couple of months at that point. Um, and one of my best friends, Drew, and we went, you know, and saw it at the Lowe's. I remember I was telling you this earlier. We went to like Thank the, you for the, coming to Lowe's. Sit back <laughs> the and relax. Probably only surviving, Enjoy the, the only surviving <laughs> Lowe's theater in the world. But it's on the Boston Common. It's this like beautiful, you know, old theater. And it's just, it's just this like very historic place to go to. And so we, you know, got the expensive tickets. We went to it and I walked out and I was like, what the hell was that? You know, which was interesting. But, um... As the years have gone on, my relationship with it has changed. In some ways for the better, some ways for the it worse. Hates it more. And so I, I, the things that I hate <laughs> about it, I hate more than I used to. I truly like the, the things that the things that bother me in the beginning, especially the characters. I've 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 really calcified around. Those are things that I really dislike. But there are other things about it that I appreciate now much more. I really appreciate the visuals. I really appreciate the uh, the the audacity of the scope of the film. I think it really is trying to do pretty crazy stuff um and i have a lot of respect for that i think i think filmmakers should try to do the crazy and you know pull a terrence malick and do something wild um but it I, you know we, well, I, I guess i guess can we can we, can we move on to that like what your initial thoughts were about it yeah i mean to be honest i saw it four times in the theater i did and the first time i was with my then partner and we got back and i couldn't the next morning i woke up and i was like i can't stop thinking about this movie. It like got into my psyche and he was like, I can't stop thinking about it either. And we couldn't pinpoint what we were, what we were, what, what, what it was in the film that we couldn't stop thinking about. It was everything. And I felt like there were some really profound things and I still really do. Um, my, fr I, I don't think, I think there was a lot to process. Number one, like we said, Ridley Scott was returning to sci-fi. Number two, he's returning to hollowed ground, but ground that had been, I'm going to be dramatic about this shit, ground that had been raped and pillaged before by Alien Resurrection and the Alien, the AVP films, despite the first AVP, AVP film being watchable and in many ways probably better than Prometheus. Yes, I said that. Um I don't give one shit. Um, but um, so I, there was a lot to process for me. There really, really was like, I'm not the type of person for the most part to say once a, the, the credits start rolling, oh, that was terrible. That was shit. Um, in order for that to happen, there has to be some profound things happening in the film to, for, for me to go like, no, this is ridiculous. Um, but most of the time I watch a film and I'll stew and I'll stew and I'll stew. And then I'll be like, hmm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And I was that way with the lighthouse recently. I didn't know what to think about it until a month and a half later. I'm like, you know what? That film's brilliant. It's a masterpiece. It is unique. It is incredible. Um, it's certainly not for everyone. Um, so for, for me, even Prometheus, yes, I have some major issues with that film. Major, major issues. But what interests me about the film is how it was made, um, how it was approached, the story, all of those things. The fact that all of this talent w was behind it, and we got what we got. Essentially, we got a regurgitated story of things that we've seen before, and uh, the original scripts that we will eventually discuss in an episode, but we'll touch upon now, uh, uh, John Spate's original script is actually very similar to Damon Lindelof's rewrite. Damon Lindelof's rewrite is like minutia. He's changed some names, some beats, some things here and there, some polishes, but it's essentially the same story. Um, and both of them aren't good. 
Um, they weren't good from the beginning. But I think visually, in terms of the ideas presented, um, what is going on in Ridley Scott's head, the the dialogue he's having in his head, I think, is really profound. And I think you see flourishes, flourishes of that within the film that are worth discussing that we will eventually get into. But... Yeah, um, and I, it's hard to be, it's hard to, for something I love so much to disappoint me, sometimes, you know, for instance, and I know this is a bit of a hot potato, but I saw Rise of Skywalker once in the theater, and um, being a big fan of The Last Jedi, just because I felt like it was really new mythology, I loved how they presented Luke, I loved that Rey was from nowhere, I loved that she was nothing, I loved what ryan johnson was doing he was representing a mythology he was repackaging mythology he was changing it a little bit like we all have greatness within us we all have power we all have destiny we any one of us can be a jedi master it was really really profound and then as i sat through the uh rise of skywalker i just felt like Man, I've seen this before. Oh, really? Oh, now she's not from Nova. Not she, now she's not. And Star Wars is my first love. Before the Dark Crystal, it was my first love. It was my first experience into um, theater going. It was my first, you know, the first movie I'd ever seen as a seven-year-old. First memory of it, at least. And so I had to wrestle with it. And my disappointment with how Rise of Skywalker ended and what it presented with as it ended was profoundly uh, disheartening for me. And I think um, with Prometheus, it was sort of the same way. And I was recently looking through my posts on AVP Galaxy and all of my posts, seeing the film. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I see these issues. And as you go down, my opinion gets worse and worse and worse. And it starts to lose me. And when something I hold so dear is so um, unceremoniously and notoriously fucked up by the studio um, and by people who seem inept. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to insult Ridley Scott, but there's just a lot of ineptitude that went behind it. Um, I take it personally. And so I took it really personally and I got really, really angry. I mean, I still can't watch the, um, the film without, the sound on. I just can't do the it. Sound on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and can I, I, and I, I, I really try to, I, I really, I really try and I, I can't. And it's usually Holloway that does it for me. I, I, that character, I just find so insufferable. And I I'm do like, too. you know what? I think I'm done listening to it. Shaw is the worst for me. Shaw is absolutely horrible in terms of her dialogue. Um, I think Numi Rapace is fucking phenomenal. I've seen her. She's just phenomenal. The dialogue they gave her, she was just a one note character. She was, she was a Mary Sue. She was always good. She didn't, I mean, she, she lost some things, but she, she was one note. And I think with Covenant, she would have been deeper and more interesting, but they decided to kill her off. Um, but even, even Logan, Logan Marshall green, as we know from things that he's done subsequently, like the wonderful, uh, uh, upgrade upgrade yeah and and uh and or and the even dinner guest thing, or the invitation the invitation the invitation or also when, even just his like side starring thing in uh in uh the first of the mcu spider-man films yep um like homecoming i i, I think he's actually like a really talented actor like i get it i get why he was cast even though he was just this theater actor at that point i get what they saw in him other than being kind of a budget tom hardy like i i get i get what what he brought to the table as an actor mm-hmm. and i found it um just crazy how poorly he 
pulled that role off. I mean, that, that, that role could have been so golden in somebody else's hands. Because I have to say, reading the script, this movie is not as bad as it is when you see it as a film. I, I really, truly mean that. And I still think that there's some huge issues with it, obviously, when you read the script, especially the space script. I, I think, like, I, 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 get, I get why some things don't go well. I get why the dialogue is occasionally stilted, but as I'm reading it and I'm using my imagination, I'm like, oh, I could see this actually, like, this is kind of mysterious and interesting. And then you watch the movie and you watch the characterizations, you watch the way they actually interact with each other, you watch the way it's edited, and it feels like a lot of really bad takes were used or a lot of really strange character decisions were made, and it comes together into this mix where, like, the characters are almost indistinguishable from one from one another from a dialogue standpoint and from an actual narrative standpoint. But then on top of that, they're also like bad. So they're like very similar, but also very poorly done. In my opinion, not all of them. I still think that David is just an incredible character who I, I absolutely adore. I, would I agree. think that D- that is just, Fassbender is incredible in that role. I thought Vickers other than um, that, was great. I thought she felt Vickers had some depth to her. Vickers wasn't all bad. I think she had some good Vickers was far more of a um, nuanced character than Shaw was. Um, and I think, the problem with or the issue with Prometheus isn't the actors, it's the dialogue. I mean, the dialogue is awful. It's awful. And um, some some people will say, oh, you know, and the characters are stupid. And some people will say, oh, well, in the original film, the characters were dumb, too. They weren't. They really, really weren't. No, they um, weren't. And, and, and even though some of the decisions that they made were dumb, it seemed like smart people making the wrong decision. Or it, seemed, it seemed like normal, normally yes. equipped people in a situation causing them to make bad choices. Yeah. And Covenant has that problem too. I totally get it. Like Orem's yeah. a great example of that. I t- I, although I think that I, I, in the context of Orem's character, his decisions make sense. He's really stupid from the beginning. Or as I so like to call kind of him, that idiot. Him something. <laughs> you do call him that idiot. Like, so you kind of know that, you know, he's going downhill cause he's kind of the token dumbass who's in charge of the mission, which I think is, is, is lazy storytelling. Totally a valid complaint about Covenant. That's neither here nor there. I still and, love Covenant. I, I think in Prometheus, though, I, I think that it's not that. It, it's 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 there's not a, like a high enough awareness of these characters to make them make bad decisions. The characters are just stupid. The characters are just kind of bouncing off of each other in this kind of sloppy narrative, and uh, as a result of bouncing off of each other, things sort of accidentally keep happening. I mean, Fifield is a great is a great example of this. Like you take Sean Harris, who's like one of the best character actors out there. He's just like so gifted. He's so scary. He's so interesting. Um, he's so idiosyncratic. And you just give him the fucking worst dialogue. I mean, like the worst, the worst yeah. dialogue I think I've like ever seen anybody in a mainstream Hollywood movie have to his rocks thing that we keep in the shit show credits is a great example of that. Um, he just makes he 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 makes bad decisions, but also complains about it and does it in a way that is like so derivative and stupid sounding. And then like and then ends up coming back as basically a zombie, which I, I still think that the 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 way that they actually ended up going with the five field sequence was to me when I was watching it the first time when I tuned out of the movie, I was like, this is this is absolutely. Ridiculous. Yeah. When the, the geologist who had mapped the entire interior got lost despite his mapping, despite him being on the screen um, so that Yannick could see where he is at, who could also have let him lead, lead him out. I, that lost me too. I was like, yeah, but I, I, you know, I want to pull it back a little bit and I want to say right. Prometheus, some of the issues and some things that we will discuss um, in, in the future, because we also want to bring Aaron Percival on here and talk about fandom before that, where as, as a, a leader in fandom, the leader of or one of the leaders of AVP Galaxy, what his thoughts were, what what, what he 
what did he, th- did he think another alien film was going to be made? Did we think another alien film was going to be made? I think at that point, I don't know if I did. I don't, I don't think I ever thought another alien film would be made. I mean, they had three misfires. Actually, four. Four. Uh, alien 3, Resurrection, and the AVP films. The first AVP film made a little bit of money. So they made a third one that just f- flopped because they're like, let's just not give one shit and have them film it. And this is our AVP, not give one shit. And there we go. Um, and they call it Requiem. Um, but um, <laughs> Because it was rated R. Yeah. But I, I think, and this is something I've discussed before. If you think about how the original Alien, the first two Alien films were made. You had Dan O'Bannon, who had written a script, who had a story burning inside him that he wanted to tell. He'd written that script. Of course, the script was eventually re- rewritten. But a lot of what he wrote is in there i mean it's his script um they polished it a little bit so you had that fervor of the storyteller i have the story i have the story fox uh gave him space and they believed in him and it got rewritten much like john spate's script got rewritten for prometheus um and then you have james cameron and he had heard oh from i think um david guiler that they're working on a sequel to alien and james cameron was like oh really and he had a story himself. He had a really burning desire. He was working on a film called Mother, um, which eventually he removed elements of that script and put in Aliens. He really had a story to tell. He was passionate. And so what do you have? You have two amazing films um, from storytellers who had passion. They had drive. They knew what they wanted to say. They had to essentially do a little fighting with the studio to make that story. That's in part why those films are good. Then you had Vincent Ward, who wrote Alien 3. Essentially, it's his script. They've changed some things. They've changed some settings. But that Vincent's, that is Vincent's Ward's script, That's which is why he's credited. Story by Vincent Ward. Um, but Alien 3 started this chain reaction of, we need an alien film. Who are we going to get? Who are we going to get to write it? Oh, let's, why don't we get this guy over here? Would you be interested in writing an alien film? Oh, well, sure, I could take a crack at it. He hadn't been thinking about this or whatever. Prometheus was the exact same thing. We're thinking about an interesting alien film. What stories do you have, uh, Ridley? Uh, well, I've always thought about the jockey. You know, I thought think that that's a really interesting story. Here's some ideas that I have. Okay, well, we're going to bring in this new untested screenwriter named John Spates, and he's going to take a crack at that story. Oh, okay, sounds good. Oh, Damon Lindelhoff, would you like to polish that script? So again, and I'm, I, I don't mean to be um, tongue-in-cheek or cheeky about my reenacting. It's almost like I'm doing that, um, that those videos, uh, like uh, pitch videos. Explainer videos, yeah. And I also, before I continue on, I also want to give show my respect to people who do love it. I understand that there's people who love Prometheus. Um, Unfortunately, the large sentiment from fandom is that it's not really well loved. It's mostly not even ever talked about. It's being talked about recently because we've announced that we're doing a series on this for the most part. Um, but And I don't want, because there are people who are like, oh, here they go, bashing on the prequels again. We're not, a, a, I'm not bashing, me and Patrick tend to share an opinion on this, and this is the opinion that we're giving. So if some people don't like this, they have the option to not listen, but we really feel like there's some fundamental flaws within this there film. There are. There are, but there are also things in Prometheus that I think we can agree on are Absolutely. really brilliant. Agreed. And one of those things to me is I think the opening sequence to Prometheus is some of the best sci-fi filmmaking like ever. I really feel like 
the incredible sense of scale flying over Iceland, doing this incredible elemental shot, having getting this whole sense of the engineers, the, the scope, the scope of what they do, what they're willing to sacrifice, bringing the body horror into it as the engineers disintegrating into the into the into the waterfall like that to me is just like incredible filmmaking. And I and I think it really speaks to the the bravery of the ideas that they were trying to get across like i mean it's really genuinely courageous to come into a franchise that has been as played out and as played with as alien and to do something that left of center with it like something that is just that crazy and i love i love that i will always respect prometheus for it i will always respect the chances that they took in in telling what was originally kind of a side story and ended up being an origin story that was just wild and crazy mm-hmm. in this in a similar way as this story is wild and crazy i'm holding up aliens failings for people you know somebody taking a wild stab at something and doing something nuts and seeing if they can make it work and when prometheus does work and it does i feel like the beginning is incredible i think the ending is really good i think the final engineer is terrifying yeah and i think that like all that shit towards the end is just great and to me when it works it is ridley scott making an alien film just like when covenant works it's ridley scott making an alien film mm-hmm. i think when covenant works it's actually much of the movie I, th- I think a lot of covenant is ridley scott making an alien movie and me being enraptured and terrified prometheus i think is like there are little bursts of Ridley Scott making an alien movie and me being like blown away by it and then turning the sound back off and kind of waiting for things to happen again. Um, that's, that's the difference between the two, but I do think that it's worth on this series. And of course we have a lot of guests, like you mentioned, Aaron Percival, we have a lot of other people coming on who really love it and who really see things in it that it will be fun to explore. There's a lot going on in Prometheus that is easy to overlook. If you get too hung up on the things you don't like about it, just like anything, right? Yeah. Um, and for a movie that's made by that many people working, you know, at that level of the of the game with that kind of experience, like there's a lot worth unpacking in it. Um, and I do really hope we get to talk about that final sequence because I think it's it's extremely interesting. I think so, too. And I also think it's important to mention, even for me, it is it is painful for me to talk about me not loving a film, a film that well made because it's a well made film uh, in terms of the artistry and um, everything that went into it. Um it's hard for me to not, I want to love everything in the alien world. I don't. And, uh, at the same time, I also don't think if I loved everything, I would, I don't, I also, I think that that's boring too. I, I, uh, we should have a nuance of opinion. Um, we should be able to discuss what we don't like. And unfortunately, I think, uh, Prometheus ripped apart fandom, much like Alien Resurrection. Although, well, I don't think Alien Resurrection ripped apart fandom. I think Alien Resurrection just killed it. Just killed it. I feel like Alien. I mean, you were you were you were uh, a, a lot older when Resurrection came out than I was. <laughs> I mean, you, you were like old enough to know what was happening. I think you were when like Resurrection thir- came out fourteen, and I was like twenty-one. Yeah. I was 12 when Resurrection came out. Oh, really? So, like, for me, that that was the movie that I was sneaking into the theater to go see. I was, like, so fucking excited about it. So, like, I, I didn't see any of the flaws. There's a lot of films that came out in that period, in, like, the mid to late 90s, that at the time I was convinced were the greatest film. Like, Batman Forever is a great example of this. Like, like I, I was like, Batman Forever is the best Batman film that can ever be made. Because I saw it when I was nine you know mm-hmm. and i was in love with this movie and then i and then I, I didn't see it again for like 15 or 20 years or something and i went back and saw it recently and i was like holy shit this movie Did is you? terrible yeah yeah it, resurrection yeah. is like that for me too although although i like it a lot more than you do but but resurrection for me is something where at the time i was just like i was really a child so i didn't get i didn't get an accurate sense of how it landed but i do want to ask you something um 
so because you were, you know, of an age where like you had some degree of taste when it came out, although you did see it six times in theaters. Well, uh, Resurrection, no, I saw it seven times in theaters. Seven yeah. times. I also was working at a movie theater, so they were all free. Yeah, but you still saw it seven times in theater. That's and you true. also contributed to a fucking fanzine. We've done a series I did. on this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, you, you, you were into it at the time. Oh, for sure. So, so what, what I'm curious a sequel about. Script, because, two sequel scripts. So, so yeah, that's right. You did. So, like, at the time, it seemed to me like it was something that was kind of warmly received by people because it was kind of in the zeitgeist. I feel like it was something that. Um, it wasn't like beloved, but it was a movie that like did it did pretty well financially. It was a movie that like people saw, people talked it about. It didn't do well financially at all. It made twenty nine million opening weekend and then flopped hard. Oh yeah, it didn't make any money. It didn't make no. any money at all. No, Even, it, no, I'm talking about home video. Oh, maybe on home video, maybe possibly. Yeah, no, no. What what I'm saying is is it it, it like found a, it found a market. Like it had the video games that came out. It had a lot of like memorabilia attached to it. It had a lot of licensing deals. It was something that kind of fa- it found it found a voice for itself, and it kind of like. People liked it. As time went on, I feel like people moved on from it a lot. I, f- I feel like it, it became something that was relegated to the sort of dark closet. But do you, at the time, did it really tear fandom apart? Um, well, I don't think Facebook had, wasn't exi- didn't exist at that point. No. Um, I, I, I was going to say, I don't, I, did, I don't think it tore fandom apart. I think what it did is it just killed it dead. You think it killed it? Uh, yeah. Oh, killed it dead. And I think it just... People were like, especially people were so let down from Alien 3, and I understood why, even again as we love it, I understand why people were let down by it. But Alien Resurrection was just was like, what the fuck is this garbage? I mean, because really, it was the it was just beautiful, much like Prometheus. It was beautifully made, well acted, and with a story that was uh, thrown together in five minutes, um, where yeah. they had Ripley doing nothing. Um, I, well, let me tell you, the twelve-year-olds loved it. <laughs> it was a, it was a big hit with me and oh, my I'm friends. Sure. But like, but yeah, but it, it it clearly hasn't aged very well, um, to say the least. And and I Prometheus to me felt very different. Prometheus felt like something that uh, was taken more seriously than Resurrection. I feel like Resurrection was kind of taken as kind of like oh, a for sure. soft action movie a little bit when yeah. it came out. It was sort of like what like what what was that? You know, it's the late '90s. Everything's kind of countercultural, like whatever. Um, Prometheus was like a statement. It was like an, it was a, it was a, it was a thing where like, if you saw it and you didn't like it, you kind of had to wonder if maybe you just weren't like watching it correctly, or maybe like you just didn't quite get it because a lot of the people sort of in the know when it came out, were saying it was this masterpiece. It was this like great film and it was made by people who were so talented. So, so when I saw it and I didn't love it, uh, I felt like really sort of disconnected. I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I not enjoying this movie? And I, but I didn't, you know, and, and, and I, and I, I feel like my journey back to Prometheus as a, as an alien fan has been getting over my initial hangups about it, getting over my sort of feeling of wanting it to be the thing that reconnected me to alien and it not really doing that. Um, and, and looking at it as a movie and as not a statement on who I am as a fan and who we are as a fandom, you know? I mean, a huge reason why I defend Covenant so much and love Covenant so much will always be tied to the fact that it was the movie that made me that reignited my love for this franchise to a point where, you know, it was even greater than it had been when I was growing up as a child with the whole wall in my room set up. Like Covenant was what did that for me. It, got, it reminded me of why I love these movies so much. Prometheus almost made me forget why I love the movies so much. And uh, and that was very painful. So I, I really hope that in exploring it with you uh, and with our friends on the series, we're going to 
uncover more things about it that are, are really special and really interesting. Yeah. All the while being honest about the things that aren't, because there are some things in Prometheus that are unforgivably bad. There are some yeah. things in Prometheus that are actually fucking atrocious, in my yeah. opinion, um, from a filmmaking standpoint. And I think that it's also okay to be honest about that and to see things for what they really are. Prometheus is not a flawless masterpiece, but it's a very interesting movie. And I think it, it reveals a lot about ourselves. I would agree. Um, and man, I, we're, we're going to wrap this in a minute. Um, we don't want to make this too long. This is a sort of a first foot into a larger discussion that will be a few episodes long. It'll be over the course of a few months. Um, but I will say this. as The more I watch Covenant, the less, the quieter the parts that I don't like about it become. The more I watch Prometheus, the louder the parts that I hate become. It's the same with the Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection isn't even watchable. I can't even watch it. It's garbage. I'm, I, I have no bones saying that. I'm saying that for me, as myself, as my opinion. I'm not saying that in general, as a gatekeeper. In my opinion, the film is garbage. Um, it is. And not, a, lo- it, a lot of people who listen to the show love it, and that's that's great. And and you should if you do. Like, but but it's it's totally okay. Also, to be honest, and for for Jamie, it's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I, I I wish that wasn't the case. I love Jean-Pierre Genet. I've loved him for many, many years. I've met him in person. Um, I love all of his films. I've been, I've, I've watched every, I own most of his films. Um, we're going to ha- probably discuss some of them on frame rate. There's films like Delicatessen, City of Lost Children, A Very Long Engagement, many of those that you and Dan haven't seen. Um, that I think. You haven't fucking seen those movies, Jamie. You, you kidding you've me? seen them all? I, I have not seen, seen a very long engagement, but I've seen City of Lost Children. I've seen Delicatessen. Very long I'm engagement is also, is also I'm, with I'm, Audrey I'm Tattoo. I'm a very big Jean-Pierre Genet fan, okay. but I've not seen a very long engagement. You need to see it. It's with Audrey Tattoo, and she's equally as brilliant in that as she is in Amelie. Um, but, you know, so I come from, you know, the this sort of cult of Jean-Pierre Genet and loving his films and thinking, oh, my God, he could do something amazing, and he didn't, and he was the wrong person. And so that's tough for me still. It's tough for me to realize that. Um, and to forgive him for that is, as ridiculous and overdramatic as that is. Um, and I think coming from someone like me, who I am a storyteller, I am a writer. I have some, in, I, what I feel are incredible stories that could be set within the alien, um, universe that are not a retelling of things that we've seen before. And a lot of my issue with the films that we see now are they're a retelling of things that we've seen before. Um, but again, um, in, in light of Covenant, Covenant is really an interesting film for me because it's, I've never experienced me sort of enjoying or yeah, enjoying a film a little bit more each time I see it. Most of the time it's the opposite happening. So with Prometheus, it just, it, it, it just gets, it gets unbearable for me. And, uh, but I want to discuss that, and everything else and have people on here who love it. And, um, no one's going to change my mind on it. No one, you will not change my mind. Um, but I think I want to give equal space to people who love it and why. And, um, at at the same time, one last thing that I want to leave with, and I, uh, this is something that is always on my mind and I'm always thinking about with the original. Yeah, that's you. Uh, 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 I, uh, uh, with the original trilogy, there is no like, oh, yeah, we have to live with this. But the rest of it was great. Oh, I can live with that. Yeah, that was dumb. But, you know, the rest of it was great. Um, there's none of that. There is none of that. 
Yes, there are people who might not like Alien 3, but in large part, we have three masterpiece films that were made. My Some of my problem with, even with fandom, and as it comes to the prequels is, oh yeah, but I was entertained. Like, fuck that. We got, we used to get better films than that. We used to get better films from the same filmmakers than that. And this idea that, and like, oh, well, let's make a different cut of this and release it. Um, like a good film doesn't need that. A good film doesn't need to be recut and re-released to make it better. You, good characters don't need to be explained to me why they're good or why they're saying that or why this dialogue right, is stupid. Right. And that's part of my problem is I've seen fandom sort of live with it. Like, oh, well, you know, I was entertained. I see that all the time. I hear that all the time. Oh, yeah, you know, I was entertained. We should strive for more than just being entertained. Um, and I think I say this because science fiction for me is so important on so many layers, philosophically, theologically, um, spiritually, like science fiction is everything to me and it's important and it can, it, it should be treated with reverence. And when it isn't, and when, um, I see laziness, um, and I see lazy writers who aren't very interested in it, write a script that's lazy. I take offense to it. I take it personally. I, I mean, I, I don't as much anymore. I can sort of separate those two. So I just wanted to say that, like, I'm, I am entering into this series with both feet on the ground completely. I understand that people love it. I want to make sure we get those people on. I want to talk to them. I want to make sure that um, their voices are heard um, and that we have a really lively discussion about it. So uh, totally. I, I am excited for the future and for the next few months. A lot of us are going to be closed in indoors with a lot of time on our hands for me <laughs> and Patrick. Five that, hour episodes coming up. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a lot in store and uh, thanks everyone for listening. We hope you're doing well. Please stay safe. Um, we really love you guys. We know this is a crazy time in the world and I think it's the most important that we're here for each other. And I think part of why aliens is so important is because you had a platoon of Marines who were all there for each other, even though they gave each other shit, shit, even though they, they might not have all agreed, even though Ripley took control of Gorman, he had respect for her. He, he cared about her. He cared about Vasquez and at the end Vasquez cared about him. And that's why we're here for each other. And I really want to keep that spirit as we all, walk down this road together of uncertainty that is America right now. Totally, man. So thank I you do everybody. think though, I, I do, I do want to say that everybody, I, th I think everybody watches films for different reasons. So, and, and I think some people, um, and I, I, I don't want to necessarily discredit or, um, impugn people who say, uh, that they were entertained and, and, and kind of assume that that necessarily means that that was kind of like all that they got out of it. Because I, I do think, some people go to movies to be entertained, and I think that's a really valid thing. I think we all consume art in different ways. I would know? agree. I think so I'm like, saying I'm saying that though more for giving the film a pass because you were entertained by it. Like I I hold films to high standards. I really really do. Right. I just and I and that's not like oh, I hold films to high standards. Like giving myself like patting myself. I'm not saying that. That's just the kind of viewer that I am. I really right. especially science fiction, which is really hard to get right. I do. Yeah. And uh, yeah. for me, I won't say. For me, about with a film, I won't say, "Yeah, well, I was entertained." I will never give a film that kind of pass. Right, right. But but a lot of people do, and and That's a true. lot of these films that just entertain people make money. Prometheus made a shitload of money, you know. So I think that's something to to consider is that is that. I think it's important to get other perspectives on this stuff as well, so we can make sure we're not too siloed into our own kind of film nerd uh, viewing habits. That being said, that is neither here nor there. We have a lot to talk about in the weeks and months to come. 
and I can't wait to get into it with you and yep. with everybody else who's going to be joining us. This is going to be fucking great. It's going to be so amazing. Let's, uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening, for watching. Thanks, guys. We'll be here for the next few months. <laughs> Probably in this exact spot. So. Bye. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. For more information on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you'd like to become a supporter, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support.